0: I'm a sexy camper. <laughs> Greetings and salutations, and welcome to Hacker Slash. If you're joining us again, welcome back. Darling, you're going to be the death of me. If this is your first time listening, welcome to The Party. We are a horror movie review podcast dedicated to telling you whether a movie is a hack,
1: a total joke,
2: a waste of time,
0: or a slash.
2: Totally killer, pun intended.
0: We believe horror is for everyone, and as such, we're rating these movies with a perspective we've gained from our varying walks of life and the flavors of fear we fancy most. My name is Chris, I'm your friendly neighborhood slasher enthusiast. This week I'm joined by the superfly space guy Mac,
2: Crystal Lake, where this nightmare began,
0: the classic horror connoisseur Sean,
1: well, I ain't gonna touch the slimy sucker,
0: and the paranormal paramour, Pinks. Some folks sure got a strange idea of entertainment. This week, we're revisiting a classic slasher franchise we last covered back in episode 213. Before we get to dig up this grave, though, we have some follow-up.
2: Let's follow up on some stuff. So as this episode comes out, it's going to be the first of two Fridays, the 13th in 2023. Then next Friday, the 13th this year, we're going to get together in person at our first ever hacker slash meetup and live show.
1: This is so great. I
2: cannot wait for it.
3: I know, me too. I'm super pumped.
0: I'm also pumped about the people in the chat who are right now saying that they're going to be there. I'm like, fuck
3: yeah, let's go. This is true. Can't wait to see you all.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a
2: party.
0: Mm -hmm. Coming down from Canada.
2: Well, we've already started to get ready. We know that uh, Binks and Chris have notoriously been in planning stages recently and in, in which point a uh, possessed phone might have shown up <laughs> uh, but you know we need your help here as well to make sure that we are getting things headed in the right direction so visit links.hacker/.live/2023meetup to complete our interest survey so we can figure out like how many people want to go how many people can go and which city we're actually going to go to. So that's links that hacker slash dot live slash 2023 meetup. And it's also listed down in our show notes for this episode. And that's our follow up.
0: Well, this week we're traveling back to 1986 to check in on a prominent machete wielding slasher. When we revisited this franchise last year, a 17 year old Tommy Jarvis was struggling to cope with a trauma. He endured the night Jason Voorhees murdered his mother and a group of teenagers While in that movie, Tommy ended up facing off with a copycat killer. This time, he's confronted by a freshly reanimated Jason. And Jason's out for revenge. This week, we're talking about Friday the 13th Part 6, Jason Lives. Who's seen this one before?
1: This is a classic slasher franchise, right? I've definitely seen any variety of these films a bunch of times over the years. Uh, It's all kind of a blur, really, uh, when I'm trying to differentiate all the different ones and what took place. It's never been my favorite franchise, but it's also not the, the worst thing out there. I know the franchise has gained a ton of popularity, and I think it attracts a certain crowd for sure.
3: Yeah, I think for me, of all of the movies, I really just remember the first one the most and most vividly. At this point, it's all a blur, but I actually, having finished it today, I actually think I didn't see this one. Like, having watched it, there weren't really many things I would have remembered or like that I remember at all that some that seemed even familiar. So I think this actually might have been a fresh watch for me, but just goes to show you how long ago I've seen any Friday the 13th movie. I feel like at this point, I've probably just seen them out of order, maybe seen a few, not others. It's all a mess. It's a rite of passage. It does feel that way.
1: Did you do the the whole the whole marathon?
3: I So, yeah. So, I did do the whole marathon till six. Right. So, I'm going to take a beat for sure. But of the previous movies, there were some parts that I remembered, which makes me feel like, okay, maybe I did watch this when I was much younger. Others, like this one in particular, that I didn't remember a single thing. So, that's where I'm like, maybe I just watched these movies, like, way out of order. Like, it was just randomly on TV, and I was like okay, this is not sequential, you know, when it definitely is. Who knows?
2: I I can actually tell you when I watched this last, it was three years ago when I was doing my own little binge. I made it through part seven, uh, but then I stopped there. I didn't go to eight. So I set a cap, I guess, or I just ran out of time.
0: You didn't go to Manhattan.
2: I did not. I I stopped before making it uh, to Manhattan. So, Um, yeah, this, this is my second time in three years watching it, but my second time ever at the same time as well.
1: Interesting. You know, what's really funny about eight or Jason takes Manhattan or whatever it is. That's the like outside of the original, which I own and I watch often. Uh, that's the one that I remember the most because for some reason, I remember getting it from a fucking blockbuster with my dad, visiting him in Colorado as a kid. And I just – I don't know. That's one that just stays in the back of my mind for some reason.
0: There's a lot of memorable moments in that one. Like there's a punch decapitation that's pretty fucking terrific. Also, the ending of that movie is a little bizarre. Jason visits New York City for – a few minutes, really, is what it should have been called. Uh, but this one in particular, I've, I've seen it several times, and especially since I usually do a Friday the 13th binge every Friday the 13th. But let me tell you, by the time we get to this point in the franchise, I'm usually semi-checked out, and at that point, it's really there on for like vibes, ambiance, and background noise. That's really where it ends up falling. So I was surprised. Surprisingly, walking into this with the expectation of been there done that, there's no way this movie's going to surprise me.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, I kind of know what I'm signing up for with these films, right? I'm going to see some variation of dumb horny teenagers and a shit ton of kills.
3: Yeah, and it felt it felt that way as well. But uh, yeah, I think having seen all the other ones, and like I said, wasn't sure if I'd seen some, others was, some were more familiar than others. I just was like, okay, part six, what am I going to get now, you know? It seems like all of them just get more ridiculous. Take like the overarching concept and just add one other element that's just absurd. And I feel like, you know, we the same could be said about all these other major slasher franchises, right? But I think for me, I was just expecting like, all right, how much more revenge could this man possibly get and how much more like sexy campers and the whole bit can i take really
0: man that's just making me think of uh, sleepaway camp 2 i'm a happy camper and now in my head i have
3: i'm a sexy camper
1: (laughs) even more sex even more revenge
3: (laughs) (laughs) is that not the slogan for friday the 13th franchise honestly because man horny
0: campers is the brand for sure
2: yeah absolutely I honestly didn't even think about the horny campers when it came to this movie. My my memory of it was that it was going to be full of like camp, uh goofiness, just a lot of silliness. I think like the whole like the central idea behind this film I just remember as being incredibly goofy. And and that's really what I held on to. Like this is this is the part in the franchise where they really jump the shark. Usually is a bad term, but here it's more of an entertaining term, I guess. And while watching it Yeah, you know, there's a lot of camp, right? There's a lot of silliness, a lot of goofiness. But I also realized that, like, Jason is completely badass in this film. Like, he just kills without giving two Fs. He just, like, storms through. And that was one of the things that, like, I guess I didn't think about it, like, thinking back to this movie and when I watched it last. But, like, I'm sitting here watching this going, like, man, if we took the camp out of this, this would just be this dude just tearing apart human beings.
1: Yeah, I can see that for sure. I I think, you know, uh, the camp I'm there for, I think it did add uh, value to the film. I think watching this, because I hadn't really visited the franchise in a long time, and I definitely didn't do a marathon leading up to this one. I just popped this one on, and uh, the feeling that I got, uh, it really just reminded me of uh just how strange this franchise really gets right like the when you really think about it the timeline is all fucked up like the storyline gets convoluted at times it's one of the most disorganized franchises in the horror realm in my opinion but it's fun you know i'm there for it here's the thing, right? Jason's like a young kid when he dies, right? That's what you see at the end of the first film. And then like, all of a sudden, he's a grown adult. Cool. Whatever. Doesn't ma- Doesn't need to make sense, I guess. We're just here for a good time. And, you know, we're talking about the movie leading up to this, right? He's not even the killer in that movie, right?
0: Because he did. I say you he did. Yeah. I think, actually, I can name two franchises that are a little bit more fucked up on the history before Friday the 13th. And that is... Texas Chainsaw Massacre.
1: Okay. Uh, Okay. And Amityville. Yeah.
0: Amityville in all its fucking realms. Yeah. Truly. Because, okay, in this one, yeah, they had to really, they backed themselves into a corner reverse engineering Halloween. They really had to just bring Jason back for part two. But from there, two, three, four, amazing succession, like, between themselves. And I actually really respected... Like, the the order of events that we had here. I think this is the point in the franchise where shit starts to get weird timeline-wise.
1: Yeah, for sure. But don't you see, like... I don't know. I'm not giving away anything in this film, but don't you see, like Jason at like pop up at the end in some films, and then his mother pop up in some other films? Like it just gets freaking strange.
3: Hallucinations. Yeah, I'm telling you. Overall, it's just one of one of the two, and it's just continuing on all the time in every movie. Yeah. But here's what I will say: despite it all, I felt like I was less turned off by the movie, and that exactly like. It felt less cheesy and more entertaining than I expected, and I felt like I was actually more invested in the movie than I had the previous, like, its predecessor and maybe even four as well, to be honest. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, so it's interesting that you go there because I think it's funnier. Intentionally than a lot of the other movies.
3: For
1: sure.
0: Like it leans into that comedy.
3: It, the, the comedy lands. And I, how often do we find, like, especially in this era of movies that the, that the comedic bits are just off the one before? Oh gosh. I just, I wasn't even, <laughs> I was barely paying attention. I was oh, no. just like, Oh my gosh, please let it end. Um, I didn't feel this way. And, and I think that that's pretty rare, right? Because typically six movies in, Any movie that continues past, like, maybe two or three at that point, you're like, how much more of this entire franchise can I take? I'm very disconnected. I feel like it pulled me back in more than I anticipated. Mm. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, I think one of the things that I also felt, you know, was considering how interesting it is that this movie kicks off with such a monumentally bad fucking idea. But then it's somehow peppered in with people who actually are trying to have some iota of rational sense. Like, typically, these movies are just 100% bad decisions by everybody. But in here, you get people who realize, oh, wait, this is some danger. We should get the fuck out of here. And I think that's an interesting take for this franchise. Obviously, this is also a movie that treats sex and nudity very differently from every movie that's come before it in the franchise for sure and it's also one of those that does something different by the time we get to the sixth entry in the franchise which is wild although i i do admit this is you know we talk about like the sense of smell in horror movies Mm -hmm. this is one that really frustrates me because if i were anybody in this fucking movie I would have woken up or been alerted to his presence because of how terrible that fucking rotting corpse must have smelled. (laughs) Why does nobody react to this shit?
2: Well, they notoriously had a horrible sense of smell in the 80s. You know, that's just the thing, right?
0: It's just the BO and the, the lack of deodorant. Yeah.
2: Yeah. You know, no any for it.
0: Sure, 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 sure. It smells like woods. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Mm, sure, sure. Yeah, something, something like that. Yeah. Something
0: like that for sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Let me tell you though, I I said earlier that I expected this movie to have no tricks up its sleeves, but I am actually surprised by how disappointed I was in, and, and I'm preparing to be, really called out for this. I was disappointed in Tommy Jarvis, and I've seen this movie enough times to know how it starts. But for some reason, how it starts never really sunk in with me. And I always had a much higher opinion of him. And watching this again and seeing how much this really is just all of his fucking fault really changes my whole view of him. It was like, I was surprised by how much more this movie feels like it's leaning into comedy. But it doesn't all like distract me enough from just how shitty Tommy is.
2: So I hope they reboot the entire franchise and I hope in the first 10 minutes of the reboot, they kill Tommy Jarvis's character. Just like, <laughs> no, you're not allowed back. That's it. You're dead. Because I, I agree, probably one of the most annoying characters in Friday the 13th. I'm going to say I was actually surprised by how meta this was, though, because in my first viewing, I, I, I got a lot of the camp, but I didn't realize like how heavy on the meta this film really, really went. It went hard in the paint, and I didn't pay attention to that. And this time I was able to, and it, it kind of caught me by surprise.
1: That is a good point for sure. I think, one, you know, just to get back to, to Tommy, right? I think there is no Tommy without Corey Feldman. I think that's the only true, real Tommy, and and uh, let's just bring him back. If there's, you can kill him off, whatever. But if you're going to make another reboot and you're bringing Tommy back into it, just get this kid back in here. Well, not a kid anymore.
0: I would have taken tortured Tommy over this Tommy. Yeah, I would have taken Tommy's sister over Tommy. There are so many other directions that this could have gone. And again, like I played Friday the Thirteenth, the game. And, you know, there are moments where you can be Tommy Jarvis and come save the day. And I'm like, they really made this man seem a lot more badass than he actually is. And we know through that game's canon that Trish lived. We know that his sister lived. So where the fuck has she been this whole time? Like, (laughs) let's give us someone else, right? Who's working on her trauma and processing and can be a final girl. Because Tommy wasn't it.
2: (laughs) He's Tommy Doyle. That's like this Tommy is that Tommy.
0: Evil dies tonight. (laughs) Exactly.
2: (laughs) Exactly. He's that character.
0: The evil's already dead, but it dies again tonight after I bring it to life. <laughs>
1: Jeez. Uh, with the silliness, though, okay, what? what is with the 007 intro, really? Like, what the fuck?
0: It was supposed to be campy.
1: I know it was supposed to be campy, but I was like, what the fuck?
0: It was supposed to be a bit, and let me tell you, there are a lot of things that I dislike in this movie, and that intro isn't one of them. It's so hilariously, like...
3: 80s to me that it hits in a sweet spot. (laughs) I definitely did see that intro and paused it. Like, (laughs) I'm sorry, am I am I watching the actual movie or what did I see?
1: Yeah, what did I just watch? What did I just see?
3: (laughs) Maybe that was my disappointment already. But you know, we're talking so much about Tommy, and I think for me, the surprise of it all is that the other characters in this film were really enjoyable. Like, I had a good time. I had a laugh. Even some characters that we only see for like seconds, they had great dialogue. They really carried the film for me enough for like I said, I enjoyed it. I had a good laugh. I had a good time. Kept it really entertaining. I was surprised. I thought everybody else would kind of be just as like, you know, again, there's not enough substance to them, like I felt like in the previous film.
0: Substance, I think, is certainly lacking from A, so many movies in this franchise, but then B, even like from what you come to expect in Friday the 13th. But what I think was a pleasant surprise here was that we get a badass Jason. He's like a Terminator Jason. But... You, you're not really scared of that. You're six movies into this franchise, you know what you're gonna get. I don't think even now anybody would really be scared of watching this. But something that it does well is actually give us kids in a summer camp because that was an added note of tension. We, yeah, we had Tommy in you know in part four, true, but this is the first one where we have campers, like a mass grouping of children whose lives are in danger. And mm-hmm. obviously, like, I've seen this movie enough to know which way things kind of go. But I think even then, watching it again now, it just felt a little bit more tense.
1: Yeah, this is true. I'll, you know what, though? I'll tell you what surprises me the most. I'm genuinely surprised that people are still sending their kids to this fucking camp. <laughs> That's what I'm surprised about. I mean, fuck, seriously.
3: Yes, I feel the same exact way. Parents, do better.
2: Jeez, it's crazy. It's wild. While we're watching it, though, we get to a scene in which Jason and children are near each other, and my wife is literally like, "Does he kill kids?" I had to think for a second. I was like, "I don't remember if he'll like if he's in his like code if he would kill kids." So it, but I think that's good that they do that because I think everyone hits that point where they're like, "Oh, he's going to kill them." Like he can. Is he going to? We don't know. You know. So it is nice for them to like put them in a in a place where there is risk. There is risk of, 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 of pain, of death, of maiming, of whatever, because, and so many other films, you're like, oh no, they won't hurt them, whatever. They're just going to keep painting the camera and everything's going to work out. And like, this is one of those places we're thinking, that's not a teen. I'm not going to root for them to get decapitated or get their arms torn off or anything like that. Now there is a level of concern. So that's, I think you're right, Chris, that they're able to actually achieve that here. That's that's good.
1: I think that's great. It's a good point because it it does add um it does add tension. It builds a certain emotion because for the most part, you know, and I can speak for myself here too, it's like the last thing I want to see is is a kid getting killed. That's just not something I'm down for. But I do feel like it builds a certain emotion in you when you're watching it, right? And so it does add to the movie.
2: I, I think this movie, it's part six. You guys have mentioned that a couple of times, and you can't you can't really expect to go a completely different direction to where you're shocked by what's happening on screen. Like it's Jason, you know, Jason's going to kill some people probably with a machete for at least several of them. But I think it's what you do with the material that keeps it interesting or not. And I, I can't give them any originality points here. You know, we can give them some, some tension points for sure, but it's not original, but like, this isn't the Jason we've necessarily seen. They took it a different direction as a film for Friday the 13th. This completely went a different direction. So they get, they get points for that. I think no,
0: for sure. I think, okay. Yes. Having the kids there added sense of danger, a hundred percent, a new take, but something else. And I alluded to this earlier. We have never nudes in this movie. Come the fuck on guys. This is the first movie in the franchise to have zero nudity, even though it still has a painfully awkward sex scene. And I think it's bizarre because, like, the producers were vying for it and championing having a, uh, you know, having some nudity in there. And when the director went to approach the actress who plays Nikki, he asked her to take her top off. She was just caught off guard because they hadn't talked about it. So she didn't have qualms about it. Like, and she didn't have qualms about nudity in general. But she still said no. We were like, well, where, where's this coming from? We haven't negotiated this up to this point. And I think it's wild that, like, yes, the producers didn't get their way this wasn't what was intended to be for this movie. But I think the movie is so much better for that. And again, you're doing something new, six movies into the franchise.
3: Yeah, I have to agree that the overarching plots may not necessarily be too original, I guess, to some extent. But the fact that they changed it up enough to where me as a viewer that, you know, I, I guess at this point, it's safe to say this might have been my first viewing, right? So like, as a as a first time watcher, feels like refresh, kind of like taken back into the franchise. Felt more like, all right, they've hooked me back in, they've pulled me back in. There's got to be some, you know, got to give them some props for that. I think.
1: So here's the thing. I don't, I don't think that the film needs to be super original to be a success. You know, when we think about originality, we think about, you know, there's all kinds of weird things with this film. Like the, the, there's parallels here or call it whatever you want. There's a lot of things that feel like it's taking tidbits from halloween right like you see little things that jason does the head nod uh you see some you know without giving anything really away because we're not in that section yet but kills placed in certain areas and different things like that there's a lot of nods to the Halloween franchise in in this film and probably other ones as well but that's something that I noticed it's not the most original film you know a killer stalking angsty teenagers definitely been there done that I can't say it's the most original but it's a it follows a formula and it sticks to it and it works and it's a good time yep
3: have to agree have to agree
0: What I think wasn't a good time was actually part of the ending. Granted, it does its job. It cleans things up. It gets there. But there is something hilarious in which it was some of the most effective, ineffective CPR I've ever seen in my life. And I think that glaring bit of comedy in this whole moment, uh, again, the comedy really landed in other parts of the movie. But by the time we get to this, I'm like, all right, let's let's just wrap this shit up. Really interesting
2: it was logistically questionable for sure. They made some choices to do things that I feel like wouldn't work in the real world, but they're like, we have to, we have to make it through. We have to end the film. It's got to be dramatic. It's got to be big. But I think they also really wanted to guarantee room for more. And that's usually where I have some issues. Like if you do it really well, I'm down. And this is one of those times where it's like, it's okay. I'm not I'm not going to hate you for it, but I'm not a fan.
3: I think I would have felt better about a slightly different direction. I think at this point, when it comes to these endings, it's just, what's a new way that we can end this movie? Yeah. You know? I, I didn't have a big expectation going into it, and I think I prefer other methods of ending it in the previous films that I feel are more practical than the one that was chosen. That being said, I feel like there was some good tension, you know? I think it was... A, a bit of a showdown a little bit that I bought into. It wasn't too bad. But then again, at this point, I'm like, all right, Anything is possible with this man. He will find a way.
1: Yeah, you know, I agree. I think one we're six films in at this point, right? The ending of these films has become something I guess that the that the fans are expecting to see or waiting to see rather, right? That um, that it's almost been it's it's just a part of the movie that that you're wanting to see what they're going to do, how they're going to do it, right? And so it, it's satisfying enough, in my opinion. Um, we get we get to see you know Jason. Get taken down in a new way and of course we know because the franchise continues right it's not the end of jason and we get a little tidbit at the end and that's what i'm talking about that's the tidbit at the end is what everyone's like the fans are waiting for to see okay how are they going to set this up for another one because i don't think anyone's expecting for this to just be done it doesn't have to be super practical for me to enjoy it is it the best iteration of of an ending in the franchise no but uh it was still semi-satisfying for me
0: I think we have a lot to consider as we, you know, formulate our our scorings and our ratings for this movie, but before we get there, Sean, how would you describe the gore score?
1: You know, this one this one's an interesting one, right? It's not the goriest of films. We definitely get some blood, we do see some limbs, but despite all of that, I would still have to say, you know, it deserves a medium. Gore score. You know, what's crazy is the producers feared that the film would get a PG-13 rating, so they upped the violence to push it to an R rating. Um, I won't say like it's low by any means, because I feel like some would consider this more moderate than that based on like a few instances in the film. Our bar here on the show has really been set pretty high. So it, it has made it really actually difficult to differentiate medium and low gore scores. But when you really think about it, you know, this lands in the medium.
0: And what about the animal report? I am happy to
3: report that we are safe for this film.
0: Well, delightful. Let's go ahead and move into our ratings then. Friday the 13th, part six, Jason Lives from 1986. Was it a hacker or a slash?
2: So the first time I watched this, I thought, like I said earlier, just another silly Friday the 13th movie, goofiness, camp, teens trying to do the dirty and getting killed for it. During this viewing though, I realized this is kind of ahead of its time. It's not just camp. It's meta horror and it's on purpose. It's not quite scream level, but it tipped the franchise on its head and I think started, started things off in a new direction. I don't know that they really followed up on that, but this at least had its, had its own direction. Um, so you can have camp, the disposable comic relief cannon fodder, but you have to have an absolutely lethal Jason, which they do. This is probably the first time in the franchise when Jason gets to actually be Jason full on full power. Jason, not Jason's second cousin, twice removed, pretending to be him, not the town drunk who wants revenge for someone stealing his bottle opener, but an evil lethal built like a brick shithouse. Jason, (laughs) I think the camera angles work here. The costumes work. And best of all, Jason works it. It's a slash.
1: That's great. I love that. You know, and I've said I've said a lot of this before already uh, thus far. But uh, if you're watching this film, which is the sixth installment in the franchise, and you haven't just popped this one on without watching the previous five films, then you pretty much know what you're getting into. Uh, this film sticks to a formula that works. It's a fun time if you're uh, into watching a good slasher film with a good amount of kills. It's really a bit refreshing coming out of the fifth installment, in my opinion, a new beginning where we don't even get a real Jason and was just strange and that being said you know I had a decent time watching this one Uh, I hadn't seen a Friday the 13th movie in a while and it kept me entertained throughout whether I was rooting for Jason uh, laughing at some of the characters and how silly some of the parts were or yelling at the movie because of how stupid something was it had me engaged and for that I'm going to slash this film
3: you know, you said it best where it's one of those things that I'm kind of glad that I stuck it through. I stuck through this marathon of rewatching or watching for the first time all of these movies because this movie really did surprise me, and I... To be honest, I went into this marathon that I embarked on with a pretty low bar as far as expectations and how much I would actually like them. But like I said, I actually had a better time watching this movie than a few of its predecessors. Um, and so I think it had a lot to do with the side characters that were enjoyable, that 80s sexy vibe, but it wasn't like shoving in your face as cringe. I appreciate that it's definitely less nudity. Um, so it's a easier pill to swallow for sure. And, I'll be honest, like this is one of the least ridiculous revivals of an antagonist on film that I've seen. And I don't know if that's saying a lot, but I I like to think that it is. So, you know, for anyone that is wanting to embark on this journey like I did and wants to rewatch these movies, but is a little taken aback by how many of them are, stick it through or at the very least watch this one, because I definitely think it's a slash.
0: This movie isn't great. It does breathe life into the franchise by reversing its sins from two movies ago. And bringing back Jason to life is is something that was desperately needed. You know, we get some great Jason action in this one. And I have a lot to say about some of our characters later on, especially like how frustrating the decisions can be. But the reality is that the small amounts of frustration that you get from this movie are vastly outweighed by how fun and silly so much of this movie is. And the movie manages to do something pretty special, which is give us some franchise firsts as the sixth movie in the franchise. And look, it's not my favorite Friday. It has one of my least favorite survivors in Friday, but it's still fun and it's a slash. And with that, Friday the 13th, part six, Jason Lives from 1986 has earned a universal slash to kick things off for the new year. Now, you can find this movie streaming online. You can find it available on Stars. So go check it out. Then join us in the second half so we can unpack the rest of this movie together. We'll see you in a bit.
2: Need a place to take your wildest romantic fantasies? Look no further than Rated RVs. We offer RV rentals for all your wildest sexcapades and romantic romps in the woods. If the RV is rockin', don't come a-knockin'. Our renters are having a 4 out of 10 time, and a flashlight isn't the only thing they'll be turning on. We offer two different packages to fit your needs. Our economic base package comes standard with Maypop tires. They're a cheap, fun time, but beware, they might pop before you're ready. But have no fear, your boyfriend may have gone limp, but our never-flat tires won't. Upgrade now, and they will guarantee to not leave you stranded with a hockey-masked serial killer in the woods. Take this RV to a campfire, because you're hot, and they'll want some more. Rated RVs for all your wildest sexcapades and romantic wrongs.
0: Welcome back, folks. You are now entering the spoiler zone for Friday the 13th, Part 6, Jason Lives from 1986, which is under Universal Slash. Now we have a lot to get to here, but before we get into the specifics of our ratings, let's go through the kills.
1: There's a lot to unpack here, right? There's a large amount of kills in this one. We see a total of 18 kills. But here's the thing, right? Is that really saying much? Because, I mean, it is a high kill count when comparing to other horror films and even some of the early installments of this particular franchise, Uh, but the majority of these movies have uh, pretty high kill counts, and this one is not the highest in the franchise either. You know, here's the thing, there was a shot of the three heads falling, right to the ground after the triple decapitation scene but McLaughlin cut it himself because he didn't think it was that good and even added additional death scenes to the film after like it was screened for test audiences or whatever so they added like the death of Martin I I don't remember every detail of every death in every film in the franchise but this one definitely felt like we didn't get a lot for the amount of kills that happened like effects wise right we see a lot of deaths but we don't see a lot of the actual effects that go into them. We see a couple of good things. We see a couple of good after effects. We see some good blood, but we don't see uh a lot of the detail that goes into those kills like we have in previous films and some later.
0: It's cuz it's missing that Tom Savini touch.
2: I'm not going to complain though that there's less. I honestly think they could have gone even less for some of the kills that didn't look that good. But I, I think this is probably one of the reasons I actually enjoyed it is I didn't need all the all the extra gore to know what was happening. Not that it's really that close to a Halloween movie, at least some of the early Halloween movies, but it's a step closer and I give it props for that.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I don't think it ruined the movie by any means. Um, obviously, I just slashed the film. I just feel like even going back to the first one, there was just some really cool effects that went through, like when you see the... Uh, the spear or the arrow, whatever that was that went through the neck of, was that Kevin Bacon? Was that Kevin Bacon's kill scene?
0: In the original, he got the uh, through the neck post-sex.
1: But you see it like poking through the neck, right? Really cool to see. It didn't ruin the movie for me, not seeing all of the effects. Maybe some of them wouldn't have been that good. It is what it is. Um, But, You know, the point being is we see a high kill count, but we don't see a lot of the action that went into those kills, which, you know, and maybe that's just, you know, after seeing a lot of uh, movies at this point and a lot of different uh, types of special effects and different things over the years, uh, you know, I just wanted to see a little bit more of that action.
2: I do think that the kill count felt padded. You know, we we don't see a lot, but we get a lot, if that makes sense. Like, we get a lot of kills, and it seems... A little bit unnecessary, like we introduce characters just to kill them, but in a way that kind of adds to the meta for me. So I'm, I'm I end up okay with it,
0: yeah. I think this movie is riddled with people who die but didn't deserve it. You know, I'm thinking about Hawes, mm-hmm. for example, who's just trying to be a good friend. I'm thinking about Lisbeth, who again tried to nope her way out of that whole situation and still got got. Mm-hmm. But one person who really did have it coming was Bert, and Bert was from that corporate group who was. Painballing, and you know the misogyny oozing from that group really made the deaths all the better uh i particularly enjoyed bert as my favorite kill because he's the one who got his arm ripped off and face smashed into the tree after saying she should have stayed in the kitchen fuck you bert yeah you had it coming
1: yeah he deserved that the blood over the painted uh like the happy face on the tree was so good
3: Gosh, Chris, you know, I should have seen that. That, that would be our favorite kill because it really hits so different. I was smiling. I love I loved that. And then how he just stays holding on that arm, mm-hmm. like just staring at it. Oh, what a moment. I thought it was so clever. Look at us having so much
0: in common. I was sad to see the only woman. In that group, get killed too, though. I was really hoping that somehow she would have made it out alive. But, you know, I get it. It's a body count. We got to go there.
2: I did enjoy Elizabeth's death, though. Even though you said it was unnecessary and she didn't deserve it, which I'll agree with, the shot we get of like looking up at Jason upside down was pure gold. It's, it's legit the Spider-Man kiss of Jason kills. <laughs>
0: <laughs> she didn't deserve it, but I don't think it was unnecessary. I think those people who who die in this movie, who didn't deserve it, are what has me a little bit more emotionally invested in the movie. Not by much. You can't get that emotionally invested in a fucking Friday the 13th movie. Come on. But Elizabeth (laughs) in particular, I felt really bad for because she was making all the sense. She's like, hey, I know enough to know that any guy wearing a mask is not friendly, right? She just tries to reverse. And then she, you know, is basically doomed because Darren is a fucking idiot, tries to be a tough guy, tries to pull out a gun, Only to miss him at point blank. Yeah, When you even consider the range of that pipe Jason was, or that spear that Jason was holding, why the fuck would you even get that close, dude? It's a ranged weapon. Back up.
2: But to give the film even more credit, like after she's killed and her money and stuff is floating in the water, her credit card says American Excess on it. And just (laughs) once again adds to the meta. More credit for me.
1: Can we talk about Paula's death for a minute, though? There was so much fucking blood in that cabin for that one kill. Like, I know, I know, she got slashed with the machete. I know she got thrown through the window. We don't see really much else that happened, right in that in that room. But there was so much blood in that cabin; it was insane.
0: That was Allie's bedroom and Terrifier two level of blood. Yeah, yeah,
1: insane amounts of blood.
3: I'm almost like, what else was killed with her? It was- like, I don't understand. Her ovaries. Well, I guess so. Or like, my first thought was that she was really hydrated, I guess. Does that mean there's more blood? Oh what does that even mean? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know.
2: You know, Jason's still a kid at heart. So once he, once he killed her, he also needed a finger paint afterwards. Yeah. An artiste.
3: He's an artiste. Misunderstood.
1: You know, my uh you know, we set a lot of really great kills. I think it, it was quick and subtle and maybe unnecessary and just guilty by association, but uh my favorite kill was Hawes in the beginning, right? Because he just went after uh Jason. And he did the whole just, like, turning around, like, what the fuck? Did you really think that was going to work? And he just punches through the dude's chest and rips out his heart. That was fucking crazy. And it was a cool effect. It was a really cool effect. It didn't look that bad. Yeah.
0: Again, not unnecessary all around. Just a shame because he didn't deserve it. Look at him trying to be a good friend, coming through, trying to be rational and leave the danger, only to realize, fuck, now, my friend is here with this guy. He's out of his grave. I should probably try to intervene. And he got got.
3: <laughs> I To talk about him super briefly, I I was sad because I was like, man, I, I hope he lasts a little while because he left an impression so quickly. And I'm like, man, you know what hauses me? I'm a ride or die. You want to go? We broke out of this place. We're about to go to this grave. Sure. Get some healing. Absolutely. And then all of a sudden, you're so hardcore loyal, you find yourself like maybe crossing a line. Dead. Well, and yeah, and then dead, especially when like the best friend then at that point starts saying like, all right, give me this shovel. We're going to dig this up. That's where I, like Haas, I'm like, sir,
0: you sure about this? And then he gets got. <laughs> find you a friend like Haas, but maybe just find you a friend like Binx who isn't going to get her heart ripped out.
2: Speaking of hearts being ripped out, I absolutely adored the makeup. And the costumes, mostly the costumes in, in this movie, because Jason looks so distinct. He has like a uniform on in this movie and it's like so put together. We got the gloves and everything. It's a whole look, but not just Jason, everyone else's style. I know this is, this is 1986, but it's kind of set later. So everyone doesn't seem exactly 1986. They kind of seem out of place. And I think they did a great job with that. I think it works into the whole meta thing and the whole goofy and campy thing that a lot of them look ridiculous, especially the dude working in the, in the graveyard looks so overly like a caricature, but that plays. I think it really, I think it really plays here. I
0: think it's hilarious that we have handyman Jason resurrected from his grave. And then to, as if to add insult to injury, you know, let's think about how terrible this was. Tommy really killed Jason as a child and then didn't trust his own work. Goes to the grave to dig him up, even though he had just seen a movie before that it's not that Jason came back. It was a whole other fucking guy that came back. And then to resurrect Jason inadvertently, get your best friend killed. And then Jason steals your gloves, bro. Like, come on, man. He really just outfitted him. Not only did he bring him back to life, he gave him clothes to wear. He gave him the shirt off his back.
3: Selfless, some would say. But, you know, actually, speaking of that, when he, you know, basically wears his clothes, or like his gloves at the very least, you know, I was so surprised by the effects when he's like in the grave and all of those maggots and, and those bugs, like it really was like, if anything, that was the scary part of the movie for me. I was like, oh, this is nasty, but... Good for them to really like go full out for it, really create that unsettled feeling. What I would imagine maybe a body looks like Undergrave after how many years, obviously. But and in particular, it was when they did the close ups on the eyes and you still see those maggots moving and squirming. I was like, ooh, I like this. It was really good. I liked it.
1: Yeah, that was, that was a really good effect for sure. You know what? I'm gonna cheat a little bit, right? Because my favorite element isn't necessarily a visual one. And it's not necessarily just specific to this film either, but it's the notorious and eerie sound that has become so famous. And that's the, right? Mm. And that's the sound that everyone thinks is, right (laughs) and uh and it really the idea came from a line kill her mommy which jay with with, which mrs Voorhees uh repeats in the first film and the the way they did it was just really incredible right the key and the the, the mall or whatever were spoken into a microphone in like you know really crazy way like i I don't know they emphasize it in a certain way they put it through like outboard gear um like an analog outboard gear echo reverberation machine i think it was that i was reading about and it was just to finalize the sound and it came out so cool but it's just so fascinating because it can't it's just so popular that i think even people that aren't even horror fans know what that is
0: oh yeah i mean we even have that like alluded to in scream 2 when sarah michelle gellar's getting got a cc Sorority girl. Yeah. I, I, one of you said that your favorite visual was going to be cheating and not a favorite visual. I thought you were going to write down one of the things that I had as a favorite, which is the little Easter eggs from uh, horror franchises and and prominent figures, specifically Karloff's general merchandise store. (laughs)
1: Uh huh. Uh huh.
0: Mine actually is the one of the moments when we think of, um, you know, back in the RV with Court and Nikki, and it is Nikki being slammed so hard that it almost recreates. Freddy Krueger in the original Nightmare on Elm Street, just that facial imprint, because you're thinking of just the power of that man's arms, just like really giving it to her. And then Court just being totally fucking clueless in the RV. And that really begs the question, like, imagine, you know, being Horace, her stepdad, the next day, finding out not only did your stepdaughter steal your RV, but B, it was overturned on fire and then Jason Voorhees is also involved because he killed your stepdaughter and her, like, tryst of a situationship. Fucking wild. Like, A, great visual, but then B, the complexities of their whole dynamic. I, I want to know Horace's story.
3: That's going to be very interesting to have to explain to uh, a car insurance claim or like a, the insurance claim overall.
0: <laughs> in this universe, do policies cover slashers? Is there coverage for that? Who knows?
1: All State covers that.
0: <laughs> You're in good hands.
1: You're in good hands.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you brought up how it reminded you of um, Freddy Krueger, especially that scene. And now I, I want to say I was so surprised, really, really excited by the little bits that tie into that, right? So my favorite scene from this movie is Nancy, the little girl at the camp talking about having a bad dream and the killer being everywhere. Um, and it, it took me out of the story a little bit, but in such a good way because my eyes lit up like, Oh my God, like Elm Street, right? And, and obviously, as we know, they share the same universe. Um, so I thought that that was super interesting and, Obviously, at this point, I believe Elm Street would just be two movies in. I think, um, so it's kind of relatively new. I just wasn't so I wasn't um, expecting an Easter egg like that. I know that we had seen obviously other Easter eggs in terms of the horror um, franchises, right? And, and then obviously that particular scene with the RV, but to have her literally say that and that whole bit, and um, later on when Jason goes to literally see her and confront her, you know. You have this moment where she's pray- doing the same prayer that Nancy does in the first Elm Street movie. I loved it. I ate that up. I ate it up.
0: What's wild is that it makes perfect sense for that to be an Easter egg, right? But he named her Nancy after his wife. Right. Who played
3: Lisbeth in the movie. Yeah. Incredible. So yeah. I. So did I pick that up? Happy accident. Did I pick that up thinking one thing and it actually wasn't? Because, yeah. come on, This down to the same prayer. And again it's this movie is only it yeah because the second elm street movie which again is so different obviously mm-hmm. had just come out i think the year before or something to that effect like it's pretty relatively you know possible i guess
1: that is wild
0: but there's also the precedence right because then you have sissy for sissy spacex you have carpenter for don carpenter you have right, right right like all the evidence points to this is heather lang camp's nancy nah it's just yeah. his wife i'm just trying to be a good has- husband right. I
1: just like the
3: little Easter egg bit. I thought that was really cool.
1: That is really cool. You know, um, you know, my favorite scene, um, it was subtle. It wasn't a lengthy scene. But for some reason, I really enjoyed the scene where Jason is entering the cabin with all the kids. The way they shot that uh, or filmed that scene with the door opening and you get getting just the visuals of his feet and the wind blowing those leaves in. I don't know what it was about that scene, but it really caught my eye visually. And I just I, I really just latched onto that one for some reason. For
0: sure. It was giving Anakin... Confronting the little younglings is what it was.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: You think, hey, if I watched Star Wars Episode 3 and then watched this movie for the first time, I think those kids are fucking gone. Right. Which is why, like, this scene, and I love even, Sean, the way you're describing just like how cool it was seeing the wind blowing in and everything. Mm-hmm. It just makes me appreciate the second Fear Street movie all the more because they actually fucking went there. Yeah. As sad as it made me, as tragic as it was. Yes. You know, I think my favorite scene, you know, tied for first would have been the whole opening resurrection scene, which granted stupid fucking idea, Tommy, what the hell are you doing? It's really a reach for the franchise, but I get it. But I think for me, it's an example when the comedy hit best for me. And it was, you know, one of the girls saying, oh, court said something about checking out things that go bump in the night. And then you do a hard cut to an establishing shot of the RV, literally bumping from the sexy times (laughs) again, right? That was another moment where it's just prolonging the reputation of bad sex and horror movies. But I thought that was fucking hilarious. No pun intended.
2: I, I liked a lot of the humorous scenes. I think there was there was a few of them to choose from. And I actually picked two. So I'm a little bit of a cheater. But one, the paintball scene. That whole paintball scene to me was comedy gold. Yeah. And number two, though, Tommy bringing the cops to the gravesite, like escaping, getting out of the truck and making it to the grave – this whole setup was so ridiculous. The deputy that has this like massive laser dot <laughs> yes, attachment. Yes. It's it's like airplane at this point. It's <laughs> it's hilarious. Um we have it's, a fourth wall breaking drunkard who like cleans the gravesite, puts it all back together and then hides the fact that he buried up Jason Voorhees' grave, pure <laughs> pure comedy, and of, and of course they're like, oh, yeah, obviously he's he's been buried a long time, even though you can clearly tell that someone's been there recently. Whatever you're <laughs> lying to us, it's pure hilarity. I think all the funny scenes in this in this movie really made it for me. Yeah,
1: it was the scope. It was the scope that did it for me. I loved it.
3: wherever the red dot goes, you bang.
1: Yes, it's like what what who on the right mind is putting a scope of that caliber on a fucking handgun that's wild
3: it was it was a lot it was a lot and the 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 gravekeeper or whatever he was pretty funny too because when he was like oh i'm fucked when the, when geez, <laughs> when that grave was undone he just took a swig of that and i was like you know what a vibe that would be me also panicked a little bit and probably trying to snake my way out of that situation later on
2: I do appreciate that they had him break the fourth wall though. It was such a small thing where he kind of makes fun of the audience in a way. But again, adding to the whole meta-ness of it, you know, who, who are these people that would find entertainment in this fantastic little quip? I think.
0: Yeah. And I think that little moment from him is just such a solid dose of great character work in this movie. Mac, you alluded to earlier, right? Like he's really a caricature of a whole situation. And I talked a lot about how there are a lot of people in this movie who I think. Get some terrible fates who didn't deserve them. You know we talked about like Elizabeth being dragged down by this idiot Darren. But I think one of the other things that I loved about the comedy in this movie was the exchange between the kids. For example, that you have the two kids who uh, at the end, well, when they're supposed to be getting back down on the floor and, and Megan leaves the the cabin, this is one says, "What do you think?" I think we're dead meat. Several time, a lot of time passes. Someone screaming real dead meat so what were you gonna be when you grew up that little shit was just fucking hilarious to me and then we get like shortly after that jason who's afraid of the water going into jaws mode like just wading right in like he's gonna fucking like almost like you're gonna expect a fin to pop up (laughs) i feel like this movie really shined with its characters even though like you know i i talked about how much i detest tommy in general uh but i think the rest of the cast made this movie better
1: yeah that's interesting that you say that right cuz you know here's the weird thing about this movie i don't believe there is any incredible acting going on here but um you know, we also didn't see some of the main characters, if you will, like die super quickly, which allowed you to build some small sense of empathy for some of them, which had me invested a little bit more in the characters. And I think that's a different feel than we've had in previous installments.
3: Definitely. I think that I honestly remembered the characters from this movie more than I did all the others. And that's saying a lot considering I just literally watched all of them all day. So, um, like all weekend. So, um, yeah, I definitely think that the characters this time around really were the the shining light of this movie. Tommy aside, obviously. But but even then, even, you know, we talk about Tommy and him not being likable, but I kind of like that he's not likable because at the very least, you know, we've got a main character that we te- I mean, tend to want to root for, but this time around, it's very opposite. We're rooting for all of the other characters in some ways and not even the main ones. So I think that that was kind of really cool as well.
0: Can I also just give a special shout out for Jason's two signature moves, the crash through a window and leap from the depths
3: of the water? <laughs> I was so happy about that. I was. I mean, although he lo- at the end, he kind of like leaped a little bit, you know, one too many times or am I just losing it, right? Like he, he was like, I'm still coming out of here. Kind of like a fish, like you're saying, like the fin was trying to pop out.
1: That's when he's got enough kills to fill his bar meter and then he can hit that signature move.
3: There you go. <laughs> that was it. That was the combo. It's a lot of strength.
2: I think it was interesting to see like two different police characters between the deputy and the sheriff. The sheriff plays such a straight man the entire movie and then gets bent in half backwards at the very end. And what a, like, what a way to go. Not even a punch to the face, not a punch through the heart and ripping the heart out or anything, but literally folded like a table. That's, that's just so extreme and, and so dismissive, you know, the entire time the sheriff's trying to get things together, get things moving forward, get rid of this Tommy guy. And at the end, Jason's just like, whatever, folded, you're done.
0: Yeah. And it's wild because you see him square up with Jason, with his shotgun, with his handgun, shooting him between the eyes, all that good stuff. And you realize that around this point, he's the best chance anyone stands at making it out of this. And then all of a sudden he's running for the hills and he doesn't – like at this point he's really just trying to buy time. And for as much as I disliked the sheriff all the way through the movie, I did appreciate when he he gathered the kids and he got them to safety and and they prioritized saving their lives before going off in in, in any other direction. So it was like a small redeeming moment for him.
2: I don't think the deputy was redeemed though. I think – He was absolutely ridiculous the entire film. I I wish I had wrote down some of his quotes because there were things that he would say, and they were normal things, but he would say them in such a dramatic, hammy kind of way. It was like watching a soap opera with an incredibly strong accent to boot. It was perfect. (laughs) He was the caricature of the cop, and the sheriff was like the actual cop.
3: Really just making a whole joke out of law enforcement.
2: That's what horror movies do, right? Yeah.
3: The couple that was in the in the car, Darren, that was Tony Goldwyn. Yeah. My jaw dropped. I was like, oh my God, you know? But but one thing that I really appreciated, and this is for anyone that I mean, doubtful, but for anyone that watches scandal, um, I love how he didn't listen to his partner in this movie, and he doesn't do the same in Scandal. So really on brand from the 80s all the way to the very end. Tony Goldwyn. Wow. It was like a foreshadowing moment for Scandal for me. Incredible.
2: (laughs) I will say, you mentioned, Chris, that Tommy Jarvis is probably the worst character of this film. I think he's the worst part of the movie.
3: I agree.
1: Dang.
0: I have a lot of notes that I think I've actually already kind of gotten out there. Uh, The idea of... Tommy doing all this shit after we saw him face not Jason in the last movie. But then also he brings the fucking mask. This isn't therapy. This is unhinged Tommy. This is outrageous. Mm -hmm. This is like in, in this, in this week's episode of fuck around and find out. Tommy Jarvis finds out real quick and everyone else finds out for him, but they already knew they didn't have to find out. He fucked around and they found out, which I think is honestly criminal. I'm going to go with the backup, worst part. And it actually is the fact that in that very scene that you were just talking about, Binks, Darren and Lisbeth, Lisbeth sees Jason. She just reverses in a perfectly straight line. And then Darren says, if we drop in that gully, we're not going anywhere. Where the fuck was the gully on the way up, bro? Like, why is this now an issue? But it wasn't an issue in the five seconds that you just drove up here. Yeah. Fucking mind blowing. There's one small thing where I'm like, this woman deserved better.
1: Yeah, that's too too logical. Too logical and, and too much logic just doesn't make sense. Tommy deserved to die for sure. I agree with the both of you. Um, like he, The worst part of the movie, I don't know. I think the worst part of the movie for me, which I already talked about, and it didn't ruin it for me, um, was just that uh, I, I, just, I was left wanting a little bit more from the kill department. I really prefer quality over quantity any day right i don't need to see 18 deaths that i didn't see the majority of happen um i just let me see a little bit more details that's all and and you know what we've probably we've probably gone over this uh, a bunch of times without me here for it but the mid to late 20s teenagers i know this was a thing during the era and even through the 90s i believe but damn like let's try to make it a little more believable
2: it does have that effect when you're watching, where you're like, wait, are they teenagers? Or are we just watching a bunch of adults that run a camp?
1: Uh-huh, right.
3: Yeah, definitely got that vibe, for sure. Goodness, you know, if I had to pick a worse part, it's that this franchise still keeps going. <laughs> it's It's got to stop. How you slashing the movie? <laughs> but it kept going. Well, okay, but hear me out, but hear me out. I know that what comes after this is not stellar, and I'm not looking forward to continuing on. And so I just wish that it would end on a high note, but it doesn't. And so I just wish it would stop. You know, just stop. That would be great.
0: Now that the legal battles are sorting themselves out, who knows what what else we'll get. I will say, though, that as this episode releases publicly, if you're listening to this and it's not yet the evening on Friday, the 13th of January, join us for a watch party where we're going to see how this franchise continued to Freddy versus Jason.
3: And actually, so the funny part is I, I... enjoy that movie even though it's not great like maybe that's a guilty pleasure yeah you know for sure but i just my gosh it just it needs to stop it needs to stop or at least end on a, on a high note you know and and also because i think that the other ways that he has died per se or whatnot were so much better than this like what is happening this guy's little mermaid now or whatever like eh,
2: yikes Under <laughs> yeah for real i have not finished the franchise you know like like a couple of you I haven't made it all the way through once I do a full watch through, then I'll be able to come back and see it all again in a row, like as part of another binge, perhaps. But I don't know that I'll be watching this until I get to that point.
3: Yeah. No, I've, I've hit my fill. Although it seems like I'm kind of cheating right when the going's going, right? Like I've, I've done so much. I also rewatched the remake after I had seen the second one. Where was the third? It's all blurred at this point. And I feel like I just, I, I got to see it through to the end. But I don't know. It's been so much camp and tits that I can't. <laughs> I don't know how much I could take. Maybe I will. Maybe I will. But at the very least, I, I definitely do want to redo all of this. Um, maybe next October for sure. At the very least.
1: Nice. I mean, you might as well just keep on going and just push through at this point, you know? You already made it this far.
3: I know I'm almost there maybe I will stay tuned who knows
1: you know here's the thing it's it this is in no way the best film in the Friday the 13th franchise however uh, I always seem to get through this hefty collection time and time again so I'm sure that I'll be watching this one again and I can't say Chris that I'll be marathoning these on a Friday the 13th because that feels like a really daunting task to do on I I don't know how you're doing that in one day but uh, I do seem to get through these every once in a while
0: listen it's really not that complex <laughs> when i do a halloween marathon like on halloween when i watch as many halloween movies as i can i'm like there i'm invested i'm here i'm doing it mm-hmm. when i do the friday the 13th marathons i'm watching one through four with focus five to manhattan with like oh, okay jason goes to hell it's on while i'm doing another shit and then we have like you know the uh, the reboot. We have Freddy versus Jason that I'm back in the game for. We have Jason Ten, Jason X. Uh, I'm absolutely in for. So like there are varying levels of focus there. I will absolutely be watching this again because I think for my final birthday gift for myself, that's belated. I'm gonna finally get the Blu-ray set on Friday the Thirteenth that I really wanted to get a few years ago, and I ended up not buying it because I missed out on like the pre-order that had the poster. But now it's available on Amazon, so fuck it. Why not? And uh, I'll probably, you know, I'll, I'll get through it again. We'll see. Regardless of where you are in your rewatch of the franchise, let's see what Matt can feed us in Fact or Fiction.
2: Number one, Scream writer Kevin Williamson stated he found the movie to be appallingly bad and kept that in mind as motivation to do his best while writing Scream.
1: That's a that's a tough one. I don't know that he thought it was bad. I'm going to say fiction.
3: Yeah, I mean, because there's worse, right? Right. So maybe that's the gag. Maybe it wasn't this particular movie that he used as inspiration. I'm going to say fiction.
2: This one is a fiction. However, he did tell the director that this film had an impact on him and helped inspire him to write Scream. Nice. There you
1: go. Nice.
2: Number two, there's a line in Scary Movie that makes fun of horror movies using adults to play teenagers. This film was the first installment in the Friday the 13th franchise to use all adults to play teens.
1: What are we considering adults here? Like, what age makes you an adult? 18. Okay, I'm going fiction.
3: I'm doing a quick, like, you know, Rolodex scan of everyone in my mind.
1: Oh, all adults. That's the thing. That's the thing. All adults.
3: You know what? I'm going to say fact. I'm going to change it up.
2: You're correct. It is a fact. And just got to say, like you mentioned, teen horror in the 90s and the 2000s just wants to to say thanks, you know, because they ran with it. Number three. Although this is part 6, this is only the third film in the franchise actually set on Friday the 13th.
1: Ooh. Well, you should know this, Binks, cuz you just watched all these.
3: Yeah, and now I'm panicked because <laughs> FML.
2: Uh, you know what?
3: I think it is fact. I think it is fact. You said only 3?
2: I said this is the third.
3: The third. Oh, fuck. Okay.
1: This is the th- this film is the
2: third. Yes. In the franchise to be set on friday the 13th i want
3: to say fact
1: i think i well i know this one is taking place on friday the 13th i want to say because oh shit i want to say because the franchise is convoluted and the timeline is strange that it could be a fact
2: yeah i'm gonna say fact as well the timeline is strange indeed this is the second
1: ah shit
2: the first one is of course the first one yes but if you remember, we mentioned that subsequent films happen oh my God. Like, on subsequent nights as well.
1: Yeah, I know. This one really throws you off. Not not the question, well, the question, yes, but the, the franchise storyline. Right. It's It really throws you off. It's a roller coaster.
2: Number four. Part five characters, Pam and Reggie, were set to return, but Shavar Ross, who played Reggie, was uninterested in returning to another horror film. I have no clue. I'm going to say fiction.
3: I'm going to say fact, because after so many of these movies i mean maybe he saw the future and was like i'm not trying to be in a space film you know so or in manhattan so yeah
2: i want to be in a space film
3: no you do I, you for sure do you should have been reggie
2: this one is uh, this one's a fiction but uh, he didn't want to come back as the filmmakers planned to kill off reggie and he didn't want to he didn't want to stand for that that little little reggie you know
1: hmm. reggie lives
2: and number five, John Shepard was also not interested in returning to reprise his role as Tommy from part five, as he had recently become a born again, Christian
1: that. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. I, that I want to, I, I think there was other reasons I want to say, I don't know for sure. I don't think it was that. So I'm going to say fiction on this one.
3: No, you know what? I'm going to say fact confidently because Okay. he said, he said, wait, this movie's going to be about this. Nah, hmm. I'm not about that. Hmm. And you know what that, Era th- that era, a lot of things happened. A lot of people n- maybe needed some Jesus or something. I don't know, but <laughs> they needed somebody.
2: Okay, this one is a fact.
3: You see what I'm telling you?
2: Uh, but like you mentioned, you know, in the movie, Tommy could have definitely used a little Jesus in his life when he was thinking about digging up Jason Voorhees. Mm. You know, that's what yeah. I'm
3: saying. That's
0: what I'm perfect
2: saying. timing. What would Jesus do? Oh, not dig up Jason Voorhees. That's right. Yeah. Right. Right. Let's just say that's been fact or fiction.
0: Well, there you have it, folks. Friday the 13th, part six. Jason Lives from 1986 has earned a universal slash, despite all the trash that we have been talking. Now, we certainly had a robust discussion here, but it doesn't end here by any means. We want to know what you think. So let us know.
3: You can join in on the conversation by hanging out with us for free in our Discord. Click the link in our show notes to sign up.
2: If you've enjoyed listening to this episode and my sickly voice, consider becoming one of our patrons. Visit patreon.com slash hacker slash to enjoy more of the show with early access, extended episodes, bonus content and live shows.
0: We'll see you next time, folks. And remember, any weirdo wearing a mask is never friendly.
1: Happy Friday the 13th.